Welcome to Mr. and Mrs. Therapy. We're your hosts, Tim and Ruth Olson, licensed marriage and family therapists and trauma experts. We provide wisdom for personal growth and healthy relationships. Stick with us and you'll gain practical tools and insights that will help you be a healthier and happier you. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the podcast. We're very excited to have you here today. Now, if you haven't already, please subscribe to our podcast so that you get weekly notifications when we drop a new episode. What we're going to be talking about today is something called imposter syndrome. And the basic idea behind imposter syndrome is that you aren't what other people may perceive you as, or you're not an expert in a field where maybe actually you do have some level of expertise. There's this strong emotional reaction that kind of can drive and push and fight against your level of competency where you can feel very self-conscious or transparent that people can see right through you and they know you're not as good as something as you might actually be. I have a really interesting story about this. I used to play racquetball very frequently. And in the community I was playing in, we had this guy that we really liked as a restringer. So when we would play with our rackets long enough, the strings would get frayed and they'd break and you'd have to get them restrung every now and again. And this guy used to restring at tennis U.S. Open tournaments and things like that. And so he was very skilled, very knowledgeable, and he had a very good reputation in the community as somebody who knew what he was doing when it came to restringing. And I remember the first time I went to this guy and I was having him restring, I was relaying to him the sentiment that I had heard from all the other guys that I played racquetball with that talked about how wonderful he was, how they really trusted him with their rackets and the restringing. And I remember when we were talking about this, he kind of started downplaying all the compliments that I was relaying to him that all the other guys were giving him. And we were talking through this and this idea of imposter syndrome came up. And as we talked deeper, that's when he started talking about, oh yeah, I've restrung at the US Open and all this kind of stuff. And he's like, but yeah, I, I just really feel like I don't know what I'm doing. I feel like people will find out and figure out that I'm not really that good at what I'm doing. And when you look at it this way, where it's like he's got actual factual evidence that he is good at what he does, but his feelings are telling him something different. And this is one of the basis of imposter syndrome. Right. It describes kind of that belief that the things that you accomplish and the things that you're getting compliments on, that they really are because of external factors, timing, luck, that maybe you had the right connections or you met the right people or just by chance or by luck, I got to go to the U.S. Open. But if you allow that to run rampant and you don't check it, it could really cause you to limit potential success that you could have in your relationships, at work, and any other areas or roles that you play. And I think this really relates and goes with the cognitive distortion where you're discounting the positive. That when people give you compliments or say how great you are or thank you for different things, that you really are discounting it and you're just saying why that's not important or, oh, they're just saying that. Even in the face of, like Tim said, factual evidence or even just people's opinions where consistently you are getting a consensus of how people view you in this light and you just kind of minimize it or you say why that doesn't matter. And so let's start off by talking about the five different types of imposter syndrome. So the five are the perfectionist, the expert, the natural genius, the soloist, and the superman or superwoman. So for the perfectionist, this type of imposter syndrome involves believing that unless you are absolutely perfect, you could have done better. You feel like an imposter because your perfectionistic traits make you believe that you're not as good as others might think that you are. And a lot of times you set impossibly high standards for yourself, and then when you don't reach them, you beat yourself up or you feel like a total failure. 
which just also aligns with the cognitive distortions, right? That all or nothing thinking, where if you mess up on one area, or if you don't reach the standards that you've set, then you are a complete failure, or you can't acknowledge the things that you do know and you have succeeded at. And so they're always looking for things to go perfectly. And like we said, if it doesn't, then they feel like a failure, which then can lead to these feelings of shame and guilt. So a lot of times the perfectionists will have the shame and guilt and condemnation that they just carry around. And it's not anyone else around them doing it or saying it about them or to them. It's themselves. And it comes from this worry that other people will have this inaccurate view of them. So whenever somebody might be talking good about their accomplishments or they themselves might be talking good about their accomplishments, a lot of times what they're going to start doing is throwing in these caveats to help other people to understand, well, I'm not really that great. Well, this accomplishment really isn't that important because of X, Y, and Z. Now, a part of this also depends on what's your motivation, right? And so if you're adding these additional explanations in there because you're fearful that people will misunderstand or they'll think that you're arrogant or something along those lines, that tends to lean more towards that kind of imposter syndrome. But if you're just trying to correct people factually, helping them have better understanding of what you're trying to convey, then I think that's a little bit of a different thing. So when we're talking about imposter syndrome, it really does boil down to there's this emotional, almost like self-deprecating aspect to this, where you're almost kind of constantly pushing yourself lower, even if your accomplishments are commensurate with the praise that you might be getting or the things that you might be saying about yourself. And I think another thing with the perfectionists is that even when they do reach their goal or do what they said they want to accomplish, they still have this thinking that I could have done better or I should have done better. The next type of imposter syndrome is the expert. And the expert feels like an imposter because they don't know everything there's to know about a subject or a topic or they haven't mastered every step of the process. And because there's more for them to learn, or they don't know everything about whatever they're talking about, they don't feel like an expert. This is actually, I think, an interesting thing, because the more you learn about a subject, the more you learn, there's more to learn. And so a lot of times, people who have just a very baseline understanding of something will feel like they know all about it. But then the more you learn the more you realize, oh man, this is really a very deep and wide subject and there's so much more to know. But realistically, in order to seem like an expert to somebody, all you need to know is a little bit more than what they know about that subject, and then you will have a higher level of expertise than them. You're not necessarily an expert in that field, but you have a level of expertise that these other people don't. And people get hung up on this idea of calling themselves an expert because they think that other people are more expert than they are. And that may be true, but that doesn't detract from your level of expertise. It's not a title that only one person holds in that area. It's a title many people can hold. And experts all the time disagree. And so just because you may also have an expert level of experience or knowledge in something doesn't mean that you won't have a disagreement with somebody who else is also an expert. As a matter of fact, psychology is a great example of this because there's all different types of psychology And these different types of psychology have different understandings of what the origin of disorders are, what the best treatment for these disorders are. And each one has their own basis and effectiveness. And it doesn't mean that the other ones are ineffective or that their ideas are wrong, but they're just coming at it from a different angle and then may be able to accomplish a similar goal with a different course of action. And so there can be experts in different areas 
And so if you're an expert in an area and you feel like, well, because I am not the tippy top or because I'm not in a position where I'm not able to be challenged, that means I'm not an expert. That's not really how expertise works. And a part of that is your own negative feeling about yourself or your inability to emotionally comprehend that maybe you do have this level of expertise. And it's okay because experts can still be wrong also. And this is kind of a unicorn that they're chasing because they feel like an imposter because they don't know everything, but no one can ever know everything. And so as we talk about imposter syndrome, I certainly did relate to the perfectionist, but especially for me, the expert. I do often feel like when we're about to talk about a topic, even though I have many years of experience and I have schooling and trainings and we've done what we needed to do to present on whatever topic, for me, there's often this nagging sense that I don't know enough and I need to know more before I can present on this or I won't give the full comprehensive explanation or information to serve whatever topic we're talking about. And so actually, as we're talking about this, and I said I relate it to the perfectionist and to the expert, I would say I related to them as far as up to last night. Because as we were working through, we were actually about to record last night, and we were talking about the different types, and I really resonated with several of these. And I'll point them out as we go through. But the perfectionist and the expert we've already talked about. So as we were sitting down to record and we were going through this, I really got emotional because it resonated with me so much. And a lot of this is what I've felt for so long. But I'll say now that that was up until last night. Because Tim, being the awesome husband and the amazing therapist that he is, we decided that instead of recording last night that we do EMDR instead. And so even now, when we sat down to record this and I was going through the five types, I looked at perfectionists and I re- kind of reread through what we had written. And I was like, actually, I don't think I am. And we kind of moved along and Tim was like, that's funny because even up until last night, you really related to that. And I think that's the power of EMDR. For so much of my life, I have related to that. And that is how I've kind of viewed myself. And even right now, after doing EMDR last night, besides it being just familiar to me because it's been part of my identity for so long, it really does not feel true. And I would say even the same with the expert. Because even last night when we were sitting down to do this, I told them, actually, I want to research this a little bit more. And, you know, it's that idea that I want to know more and I, want, I need to know everything about this before I can present on it. But in reality, I don't. And so after doing EMDR, I can totally feel that that's true. And so as I talk about these are some of the things that I related to, I don't feel like I relate to them necessarily anymore. And just as a proof of concept here is that this was a very emotionally based belief system for you because you felt like I have to be perfect, but you have actual evidence of knowledge behind psychology because in our master's program, she got an award for having perfect grades. And even though you had that award for having perfect grades in our master's program, you still felt like I'm an imposter. I don't have enough information. I don't have enough knowledge. But that's all based on feeling, not an actual fact. And then as we work through the EMDR process, we kind of remove the feeling from that. And then all of a sudden, you're able to feel like, okay, yeah, you know what? I don't have to have perfect knowledge to be able to move forward. Oh, for sure. And I think every time you share that, that I had perfect grades in my master's program, I think I used to always cringe a little bit because I did that minimizing that we were just talking about. And I would always say, well, it's because I had good relationships with my professors. 
or I would make up some other excuse on why I just happened to have that or I didn't necessarily deserve that. And so when he shared that in the past, I definitely have felt like it being external factors and that it wasn't me who earned that or who deserves it. And I think that's the beauty of EMDR is because it takes off this weight and this burden that I've felt for so long and wasn't necessarily detrimental in my life in a way where it's harming me to an extreme degree. But certainly the negative self-talk and the things that come with imposter syndrome and inaccurate beliefs about yourself, they do harm you. And they do cause you to self-sabotage and have a cap or a limit on what you can accomplish. Well, I think also what it is, is it steals joy, right? You got this accomplishment and you got awarded for your hard work and your knowledge base, but then having that imposter syndrome removes your ability to experience the fullness of that award that you receive, as opposed to if you're just able to receive it for what it is, hey, you put in the work, you did a good job, and here we're going to give you this award that's showing that you did all of these things, right? And so it's not an external factor. It was you putting in the effort and the work in order to get that award. And so it's funny because a lot of people will talk about how we're two therapists that are married. And, you know, what do you guys do together? What do you guys like to do at night? And the answer is I sit her down and make her do EMDR. (laughs) And it's funny because there are times where I'll do EMDR on him and he'll do EMDR on me. And that is one of the big benefits of being married to a therapist. Because we have the tools, but we don't always utilize them. And so now that Tim made me sit down and do EMDR on this, which he did not by any means. But I could see last night as we were starting this podcast that it was a clear target for me that I needed to work on. And I can already see the difference and the benefit of it. And so this again being said is that when you're dealing with an emotional difficulty, Facts oftentimes are not going to fix how you feel. And so you had plenty of facts to say you're not an imposter, but that those facts didn't really correct that feeling. And so we had to go in and correct the feeling, and then it allows the facts to then speak for themselves. And I remember when we were just at the very beginning of our career and, you know, starting to see our first couple of clients and people saying, just fake it till you make it. And it's not necessarily that you're faking it. Because you do have the schooling and you've practiced, but at some point you do have to jump in. But where the detrimental part of that is that as the years went on, I remember talking to someone and that concept of faking it till you make it. And they were saying, well, what if you made it? And I think that's what people with imposter syndrome don't get to. They don't get to the point where they make it. They just feel like they are constantly faking it and pulling the wool over people's eyes. And that people are going to figure out that I'm a fraud or I don't truly know everything about this. And so going back to the types, the expert is what we left off on. And that's just where they feel like they need to know everything or they have to master everything or they feel like an imposter. All right, guys, thank you so much for joining us for part one of imposter syndrome and join us for part two, where we'll continue on. And remember, your mind is a powerful thing. 
Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of Mr. and Mrs. Therapy. If you enjoyed this podcast or found it helpful, we'd love for you to take some time and leave us a review on Apple Podcast. If you have a question or a topic you'd like discussed in future episodes, visit our Facebook group, Mr. and Mrs. Therapy Podcast, and let us know. Disclaimer, although we are mental health providers, this podcast is for informational purposes only and is not intended to provide diagnosis or treatment. Please seek professional help if you're struggling with persistent mental health issues, chronic marital issues, or call the National Suicide Hotline at 988 if you are contemplating suicide.